Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of HODLPAC's interview series with candidates for and members of the United States Congress. HODLPAC is a community-governed political action committee with the mission of supporting candidates whose policies would promote the development of cryptocurrencies and the decentralized economy in the United States. Much like the crypto networks we want to see thrive, HODLPAC relies on the participation of the community. Those who donate decide which politicians we support. If you'd like to learn more and get involved, feel free to visit us at www.hodlpack.org. I'm your host, Tyler Wordy. Our guest today is Representative Tom Emmer from Minnesota's 6th District. After the election in November, Representative Emmer will be entering his fourth term in the House, where he serves on the House Financial Services Committee and the Republican Study Committee. Since arriving in D.C., Representative Emmer has emerged as one of Bitcoin and crypto's staunchest allies in Congress. He is co-chair of the Congressional Blockchain Caucus and ranking member on the FinTech Task Force. And he's also introduced many pieces of legislation that have to do with crypto, including the Blockchain Regulatory Certainty Act, the Safe Harbor for Taxpayers with Forked Assets Act of 2019, and most recently, the Securities Clarity Act, which would provide a path to regulatory certainty for digital assets and other emerging technologies under securities law. So without further ado, Representative Emmer, welcome to the show. Thank you, Tyler. Glad to be on. You have been one of the premier champions of crypto-related policy on, on Capitol Hill. You were one of the early champions, and you continue to be one today. So I guess for my first question for you, you know, what has it been like watching and then at times, you know, leading the evolution of crypto policy in, in D.C.? It really is about monetary policy and freedom. And uh, it, and I'm, I'm going at this a little different than I have in the past, Tyler, because I was telling Landon, I've been reading this uh, book by George Gilder. He wrote it back in 2016 called The Scandal of Money, right? Fiat currency and how uh, the uh, government uh, manipulates it. Uh, the, the time value of money. And that's, it, it's a, it's a problem. Once we went off the gold standard, uh, we didn't peg the currency to anything. Now you can float it uh, right uh, against other things. And uh, what it allows the government to do is print a whole bunch of money and grow the balance sheet. And, and the beauty of Bitcoin uh, and cryptocurrencies, uh, they don't, uh, they, they are, uh, as I was uh, sharing with Landon here a little bit ago, because uh, I was just reading it again on the plane. It's the second time I've read the book. Uh, cryptocurrency, in this case, they were talking about Bitcoin, uh, is a lot like gold. It's about uh, a, the uh, uh, concept of scarcity. It, it gets more difficult. Uh, there's less of it to, to get. It holds its value, right? So it's uh, really interesting that I came to Congress to work on financial issues specifically on those capital formation and uh, main street businesses, you know, people uh, from just any walk of life having a great idea and trying to get access to capital to create that idea and grow it, you know, and start in a garage and grow it into tomorrow's uh, big uh, success story in this country. And I, funny thing on my way, Tyler, uh, Landon, who you mentioned, uh, gave me a book when I got here about five years ago called The Age of Cryptocurrency. I, quite frankly, I'd never, I mean, I'd heard of it, but I'd never really done any uh, in-depth research. I read that book and it was like, Landon, this thing is great. I mean, this is exactly what we should be talking about. And the more that I've gotten into it, uh, a couple of things. One, the people that fear it have not done their homework. Uh, they're, they're not studying it. Uh, I'm, I'm more of the decentralized uh, version. I think it's a great way to empower people. Uh, by taking this uh, control of our, our uh, financial system away from the government, uh, if you would, the elites, 
uh, and giving it to uh, back to the people where I think it belongs. And that's that's what got me so excited about cryptocurrency uh, in the whole area. Uh, it, and it was about raising people's awareness, trying to get them to look beyond the end of their nose at a uh, at a paper dollar and start to think outside of the box. And I, I think we've come a long way in five years, a long way. And that's that's just a, a general uh, uh, picture. We can get into more details. But as you can tell, I think about it a lot. It's, uh, it is it is really an important advance, I think, uh, just in the history of our republic and the, the freedoms that we enjoy. That's awesome. And I very much agree with you on, on those points. Just to follow up on that question, though, you've spent the last five years in Congress thinking about these issues. And you also mentioned how, you know, some of the maybe the opponents in Congress just haven't done their homework. You know, specifically, how do you assess the role that Congress has played uh, in this conversation that's gaining more and more steam in, in, in recent years in D.C.? Has Congress kind of played its role well? Where, where, how do you see Congress fitting in in the greater conversation with regulators and, and uh, you know, the executive branch as well? Congress, the, the art of, uh, of self-governance, and it is an art, uh, needs to uh, be uh, uh, revived. Congress is... Uh, <laughs> What has Congress role been? Right now, Tyler, Congress is naming a bunch of post offices. Boy, we seem to be very uh, functional, not. Uh, in this space, in this space, there are leaders on both sides of the aisle, and they are growing in number, right? I mean, it started out with the Mick Mulvaney's, the Jared Polis's, the Dave Schweikert's, and now it's growing where you've got uh, people on both sides of the aisle, some are, are doing this because, like me, they believe that this is the future uh, of, uh, of finance. This is, a, this is the new frontier that's going to give us back our personal liberties when it comes to how we, uh, we transact with one another and try to get the government out of the, uh, the transaction. For others, it's just the opposite. They see it as a, as a way for government to uh, be more efficient, maybe, uh, and have more control over the bad actors uh, when they talk about how they want, want to see this thing advance. And yet another group, uh, it's, it's getting them to be selfish, selfishly self-interested, right? Uh, one of the things that we did recently is we uh, announced that we're going to start accepting uh, uh cryptocurrency as campaign contributions okay now some would say that's great look at what they're doing you know this is the they're, they're expanding the new frontier well yeah we are but guess what else we're doing uh, we're getting self-interested elected persons to look at it and go wait a second is that person getting ahead of me do i need to do some more work on cryptocurrency to understand what it's all about because maybe they're going to get ahead of me in fundraising and everything else. And guess what, Tyler? That will force them, whether they realize they're doing it or not, to start to get up to speed so that we can do some substantive things in this area. And I, I do think uh, this uh, past five years has mostly been about raising awareness, mostly been about educating Congress. And despite my cynicism or skepticism, uh, maybe it hasn't gone full-blown cynicism, uh, cynicism yet, I do see a bright future uh, in this country. I think that we're just going through change right now, like we've done at other times in our history. Uh, it's a very, uh, at times, almost violent experience, but we're going to get through it. 
And when we come out the other side, we're going to have leaders uh, from all different walks of life that are going to be serving here in Congress. And I do see a, D, a day when we uh, when we're going to make some serious advances uh, in this area uh, from this place uh, called Washington, D.C. Uh, it, frankly, it might have actually happen in the next Congress where you're going to see some, uh, I, I would hope, a new subcommittee established dealing with just this and not not a task force a subcommittee uh, that has jurisdiction over this and can move some very important uh, uh, laws having to do with uh, uh, creating uh, certainty for people who want to innovate and create, right? Uh, just uh, give them a, a safe zone from the IRS while they try to figure out what their idea is and how they're going to put it into action, things like that. Well, that's great news. I hope to. I hope that comes to fruition. I, I know I'll be fingers crossed, waiting for that. But you mentioned some of the, you know, the, some of the regulatory uncertainty that needs to be cleared up to to help, you know, this budding industry that we both care so much about. And I would love to get into some of those policy areas, if you don't mind. Bills that you've introduced and, and co-sponsored is the Blockchain Regulatory Uncertainty Act. You, you introduced this in January 2019. And, and this bill would exempt blockchain developers and, and providers of, of blockchain services from certain financial regulatory requirements, including uh, money transmitter licensing and, and stuff like that. Just quickly, you know, what was the motivation behind this uh, legislation and why do you think it's important? Well, it, it's really, it stems from the fact that early on, uh, we had a lot of banks and financial companies, as you know, Tyler, that had no clue what this technology is. Uh, they were asking people who wanted to start a business in this industry, whether you know they want to start mining, they want to provide wallets, uh, whatever it might be. They were asking them to register as money transmitters when they literally didn't uh, take in someone else's money and transmit it. <laughs> they literally didn't transmit money. Uh so then you start asking, well, why do we have money transmission laws? Well, typically someone takes the assets of someone else and transfers them with their consent and understanding. Uh, it was important. It's an important function from a consumer protection standpoint. Uh, and, and it's important that we have safeguards and protections for those who are willingly giving their money over to someone else to be transferred. But if you're just using a Bitcoin mining rig to make money for yourself, or you're providing a technology to provide others the means to secure their cryptocurrency, and you're never receiving or handling the crypto of another person, why should you have to register as a money transmitter? Protections from unnecessary regulations have to occur if we're going to let cryptocurrency grow and thrive here in the United States. Uh, and the bill that you're talking about uh, will continue to be a huge priority of ours uh, into the next Congress as well. Because while it seems kind of like a simple thing, just getting these people to put their head around it and understand it, you, uh, you could make such a difference by, uh, by passing this law in terms of allowing people the ability to innovate and create uh, the next generation of uh, offerings. And I, 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 I'm going to just keep pushing. I know uh, Landon's going to keep doing it with the uh, at the staff level. Which let me give you this very quickly, Tyler. I think at the staff level, uh, there's a little bit more understanding. Maybe because of uh, you know the age of staff is typically uh, several years younger than uh, than the members, uh, and probably more apt to be exposed to these new technologies and these uh, in cryptocurrencies, and 
frankly, are ready to dive in because some of them are already uh, working in the area. So I, this, uh, this is a relatively simple bill in my mind uh, to make sure that uh, you protect people who are not, literally not, transmitting money so they don't have to go 50 states and get money transmitter licenses to do business. You mentioned earlier kind of like self-governance through Congress. I think uh, one of the main reasons why we started HODLPAC was because I think self-governance is something that would really resonate with the crypto community. And we have, we want to you know provide a venue for people of the crypto com- community to engage with, with Congress and kind of help that the self-governance along. But something that's, I guess, kind of outside of self-governance in, in a way it, it is the regulatory state, you know, the administrative state for lack of a better word, you know, just the, uh, you know, the executive branch related to the Blockchain Regulatory Certainty Act, you know, some of the guidance out of regulators like the Treasury Department and FinCEN have frankly been, you know, quite opposite from your characterization of the need for money transmitter licensing that, you know, they've advised that cryptocurrency companies are money transmitters and thus are, you know, subject to the same compliance burden as uh, what you would, you know, call the true money transmitters in, in your opinion. So, I guess it, how do you how do you see this playing out uh, in in the long term? Is it is it uh, do you think there's a chance that regulators come along by themselves, or will we need you know Congress to uh, to act? I, th- I think it's going to be a little of both, but let me go at it this way, Tyler. First, you know the the uh, debate since the uh, forming of this uh, constitutional republic has always been the size and scope of government versus the right of an individual to self determine. Right. Uh, and, and where is that line? I think uh, you uh, correctly point out that people who are delving in this space, uh, the cryptocurrency space, they tend to be more on the in, in my experience. And this doesn't mean uh, that they're a Republican or a Democrat. Uh, I'm not even going there. They just tend to be more on the self-determination side of that ledger. In other words, there's just too much uh, regulation of things that the regulators don't understand. Now, when you bring up FinCEN, I I guess our experience uh, in the office has been that some of the guidance from FinCEN has uh, affirmatively stated that non-custodial uses and services are not subject to a requirement to receive a money transmission license. And FinCEN FinCEN has actually been pretty helpful over the past couple of years uh, in navigating the current laws and their application to crypto. And Treasury, uh, which is now uh, added uh, Brian Brooks uh, at the OCC, which, by the way, is a great addition because I think uh, there are people in Treasury that uh, were inclined to work with us on these issues. But then there was also this old school of thought that we were running into that, uh, you know, not on our watch. We're not going to let, you know, these uh, cryptocurrency people Again, equating it with uh, the bad guys, as opposed to the innovation and all the great advances that uh, that are right there on the horizon. Uh, but it, it appears now that with the addition of Brian Brooks uh, at the OCC, the Treasury is slowly coming around uh, to the innovations and the benefits that this, the uh, technology that enables crypto, uh, that this these technologies can have for our country. Uh, and I, that's great news. Because uh, two years ago, if you would have asked me that question, I would have said uh, we got a lot of work to do, and we still have work to do with the uh, with the regulatory state. There's no question. I think uh, Congress is going to have to do some things uh, in terms of creating law 
Uh, and like I said, I, when it comes to the money transmitter license, I'm, I'm hopeful that uh, next Congress, uh, we might be at a place where we can get some uh, bipartisan, nonpartisan uh, participation in moving uh, things like that along. Great. And I'm glad you mentioned uh, Brian Brooks at the OCC. You know, he, he's made some big splashes this year since taking the reins. And, you know, I was wondering, I guess, generally, how do you, how do you feel about some of the changes that he's been making? And, and again, maybe some of the roles that Congress can play in, you know, solidifying those those changes. The tricky part about making, making changes via guidance from uh, regulators is that when someone else takes takes control of the agencies, you know, it might be it might switch back. So how do you how do you feel about, you know, Congress's role in, in solidifying some of those changes that he's made? Well, you know, we we're in uh, contact with uh, Mr. Brooks, uh, actually, right after he was uh, announced, his uh, appointment was announced, sat down with him, had a great discussion. I think he's been doing some uh, great things about recognizing, right, and uh, giving banks uh, the uh, footing on which to move forward in terms of, you know, you got somebody who's creating a business in the crypto space. And now they can work with uh, local financial financial institutions, at least it's it's welcome, right? Uh, and you're right, there could be somebody else that comes in that uh, tries to put the brakes on these advances and tries to go backward. But I don't see that happening, Tyler. I mean, especially in the environment we're in. Think about it, the, uh, the technology uh, that uh, enables uh, Bitcoin, for instance, or uh, uh, any cryptocurrency blockchain. Uh, if you if you think about what's happened to us in the last five six months in this country and around the world, uh, we have relied heavily on technology uh, for education, for uh, uh, medicine. Right, uh, telehealth has become a thing. Uh, in fact, I would argue that we advanced ten years uh, in in terms of. Uh, what our government recognizes uh, for reimbursement of telehealth visits. Uh, and we're not going backward. In fact, I think what this is going to do is this is going to be that uh, that booster rocket that comes in next uh, Congress, and we're going to have a debate over building out that last mile of broadband across this country, That the, uh, the same type of concept that the Eisenhower administration had when they uh, moved forward with the interstate highway system. Uh, we're going to have a debate, and the debate will be, uh, does government subsidize the last mile, or do we create uh, private incentives, or is it a combination of both? But we're going we're gonna to finish building it out. And as that happens, the area that you and I are talking about when it comes to cryptocurrency, I think it's only going to leap forward right along with the, uh, the development of the technology and the access uh, for the public, because the more people, you know, People have been using uh, very crude uh, forms of uh, money transfer with these Venmo and all this other stuff. Just imagine what happens once they're comfortable with that and you have access uh, uh, to uh, rural broadband all around this country and hopefully the world. Uh, you're not going to go backward. I, I just don't see uh, more Cro-Magnon uh, thinkers being put into these financial uh, positions. I think you're going to see more forward thinkers because here's the other thing that's going to happen. If they don't get on board, if they don't start looking at how this works for people, uh, the people are going to do it themselves. And I, I think the worst thing for our government or any government would be to become uh, not relevant, which could happen if they don't get moving. 
the vision you just painted would be, uh, I think every all the listeners of this podcast would love to see come to fruition. So let's uh, let's hope for that as well. Uh, and, and so another pro crypto regulator is, of course, you know, Commissioner Hester purse at the SEC. Um, and her recent safe harbor proposal has kind of, you know, you know, got some attention for a while, but hasn't really gone gone anywhere uh, in the last few months. I, I you know, I, I think there's been some talks about uh, adapting this proposal, which would, you know, create a three year window for the development of a decentralized network, you know, uh, to be safe from the, the purview of securities laws. Um, uh, there's been talks about adapting that as a bill in Congress. Um, if, if that doesn't happen, uh, you know, at the SEC, what are, what are your thoughts on, on doing something uh, via Congress to to move that or something similar along? Well, Hester is uh, great, and she's been doing an amazing job with uh, proposing solutions and fighting for innovation at the SEC. Look, this has been my major complaint from day one. You got to give us definitions. You got to define what is money, right? What what constitutes money? What constitutes a commodity? Uh, what constitutes a security? And there are already some uh, some proposals out there that try to uh, deal with this security area. I'm going to be blunt. I don't see Congress uh, fixing that. I think it's going to have to come from the uh, from the bureaucracy side, from the executive branch. And why do I say that? Because this is a place that we get into where all of a sudden politics starts playing a role. You know, these people who, uh, uh, these do-gooders with election certificates that want to control private uh, uh, enterprise, they want to they want to know who you're hiring. They want to know, uh, you know, if you're spending your money on the right things, uh, however they define uh, those things to be right. Uh, and I, I mean, I've just seen it with Maxine Waters and company, and it's been very frustrating. You know, this is an area where, it shouldn't be about whether you believe or you don't believe in whatever the current craze is, whether you're for or against uh, whatever uh, society's uh, big uh, rage is today. This should be more about how do we allow human beings to inter intersect, interact, uh, and transact together in the most easy fashion possible, while at the same time having some light touch regulatory structure so that we uh, we can make sure that there's uh, fairness, that there's justice in the marketplace, and I just I think Congress right now uh, I I'm not I'm not uh, overly optimistic that with the characters that we have uh, that we're going to be able to get back to just the basics of uh, finance 101 instead of uh, okay I I like uh, uh, Sherbert uh, you like something else no. No, it, it it should not be a partisan issue. But I, all that being said, I do think that the administration uh, can do a lot of things with people like Hester, uh, Brian Brooks, and uh, some others that are starting to find their way into the uh, into the bureaucracy in terms of uh, not only changing hearts and minds in the executive branch, but then also moving things forward that uh, maybe Congress has to come a little reluctantly in behind, but. Uh, It'll get done better that way because the other thing when it, when we talk about the SEC, it's all the uh, stakeholders, right? Uh, the stakeholders should have a say in that working with the uh, with the SEC and with innovators like Hester uh, and Brian. Uh, so I have I have a better 
a better feeling about how they could advance it from the executive branch side than how uh, individual legislators might. So to switch gears a little bit, uh, even though I think all these things are related, you, you've had a front row seat to the ongoing discussion within Congress and, and, and broadly in D.C. about, you know, the quote unquote digital dollar. And, and you know, this intersects with, you know, uh, topics like Libra, the digital dollar has kind of regained uh, focus in the in the light of, you know, the COVID-19 pandemic and some of the, you know, relief efforts uh, therein. You know, how, how have you seen uh, this unfold so far? And like, you know, have you been paying attention to the to the broader conversation? I know you're on the one of the co-chairs of the FinTech task force. So you've you've been, you know, front and center to it. But uh, also as somebody, you know, who's who's close to the crypto industry and sees the you know, the innovation happening in the private sector with with crypto dollars and stable coins. I think you have a very interesting uh, point of view on, on this whole debate. So I'd love to hear your thoughts of, about it generally. Well, uh, the digital dollar, the most basic uh, description for anybody who uh, doesn't work in this area, a, a digital dollar should work the same way as a uh, paper dollar works, right? Uh, in other words, that dollar, I should be able to use it uh, in a transaction with you uh, I should be able to transfer it to you in return for something of value, uh, of similar value. Uh, that's not exactly what uh, the debate is, though, because there seems to be another uh, school of thought in Congress, uh, and it is from the other side of the aisle. Uh, it's it's hard enough, by the way, uh, Tyler, getting uh, Republicans who are traditional uh, uh, banking folks to look at this area uh, and realize that uh, the promise that it has. And, and as they start to uh, develop more knowledge, it's amazing how fast they start coming with you. Maybe not totally, you know, because they want a centralized uh, uh, operation. I'm more of the decentralized. But then you got the folks on the other side of the aisle. Uh, there's a couple of proposals out there that they, they think everybody should have an account at the Fed. I mean, that's the last thing I want. And I, I'm going to suggest... The people that I know in this uh, in this industry, in this uh, area of innovation, it's the last thing they want. The whole reason they want to be able to deal in uh, cryptocurrency and create their own way is because they want to be in charge of their own destiny. They want to be in charge of their own information. Uh, the last thing they want is for the government to be uh, uh, in charge of all of that. For goodness sakes, it'd be a lot like... Uh, Wuhan, when everybody uh, had their cards shut off, so they couldn't travel out of Wuhan uh, when the uh, when the virus started to uh, to appear. Uh, that's the last thing we want, uh, I think, in this country and in this area. Uh, so the uh, I, I don't know. I I, I think that it, when it comes to the digital dollar, that's uh, that's pretty much it. I will give you this because I, I said central and decentral. You know, I'm not a fan of. Uh, Facebook's uh, Libra idea with their group, because somebody's going to control that, right? It's going to be a closed uh, uh, group. Uh, if, if the government's doing it, then it's going to be the government that's controlling it. And my goodness, uh, look at how they've manipulated our uh, financial, in, uh, financial uh, system since they uh, took the dollar off, the, uh, off gold in 1971 or 72. Uh, I don't know that you'd trust them not to do stuff like that with this area. I really would uh, uh, hope if we're going to talk about uh, this at all, it's decentralizing it again uh, and making sure that it uh, it maintains its uh, uh, value-based, uh, almost gold-like features in that uh, 
you can't manipulate uh, the cryptocurrency the way they uh, they ma- manipulate our fiat currency today. Well, I, I I think I speak for everybody in saying that I, I'm glad we have somebody uh, you know representing that view in Congress, such as yourself. So so thank you. You you are you're currently serving as the as the chairman of the NRCC, which is the National Republican Congressional Committee. It's basically the political arm of the House Republican Caucus. Um, I think that lends gives you a, a good perspective in in just maybe how to get these issues in front of more members of Congress. Uh, you know, I guess you could speak better, you know, to to the Republicans, but uh, maybe maybe you can kind of speak it, uh, about it to get in front of you know members of Congress in general as well. Like I said, you know, Hodelpack is focused on engaging engaging both the crypto community and, and Congress and, and kind of facilitating the grassroots support for some of the policy changes we've been talking about today. If you have any, how, do you have any advice uh, for us as we as attempt to do that to get in front of more members of Congress? Listen, I, I, it's not just uh, as chair of the NRCC, although it gives me a, a position in our leadership. Uh, I, I think it puts me as the number four person on the Republican uh, House leadership uh, team, uh, which does make a difference. You know, the uh, it, it, it gives us a, a voice uh, that we didn't have previously. But in addition to that, I, you know, I'm the co-chair of the Blockchain Caucus. Uh, I'm the Republican ranking member on the uh fintech task force i i think what it what it does is first within the republicans on the committee uh, they've seen how uh what aggressive uh i personally have been on these issues under our past chairman uh, jeb henserling who uh god bless jeb uh, he still hasn't given me back my book uh i i lent the age of cryptocurrency to uh, jeb because i told him really this is a place that we need to be leaning in. And he asked me a bunch of questions and then said, uh, can I borrow your book? I said, great. Well, he's been out of Congress now for a couple of years. I saw him. He's working for RBC or somebody. He was in town. I said, hey, where's my book, man? These guys got to give me back my book. But the uh, sorry, I'm having a little fun, uh, Tyler, at Jeb's expense. But I'm telling you that because the ranking member on the Republican side, good friend of mine, uh, Patrick McHenry, is very, is uber uh, uh, into this uh, topic, which you wouldn't know. Uh, and I found out, uh, as this is why he put me in as the ranking member uh, on the FinTech Task Force, because I was having conversations with him on this before he was ever the ranking member. Uh, and I that's why I have hope for the next Congress, because I think, uh, you know, the leadership position gives you, a, a, a I guess, a bigger platform. Uh, but then you also uh, start to identify some uh, other influencers within the Republican uh, conference, uh, like Patrick. Uh, and, and this, it, it doesn't, it's not a fringe issue anymore, right? Because uh, we're not viewed as extreme this or extreme that. We're viewed as mainstream uh, Republicans. Uh, and it, it causes a lot of our colleagues to go, huh, okay, maybe that isn't all about Silk Road. Why are these guys who don't seem to be crazy? Why are these guys so interested in this area? And like I say, once you do that, you get them moving. The other thing I told you early on uh, in this interview was uh, we started taking campaign contributions in crypto. And that really is trying to appeal to the selfish, self-centered nature of, uh, of political people. <laughs> it's just you, you got to get them to look at it and go, hey, I wonder if that's working for them. I got to find out about this. Uh, and we'll just keep doing stuff like that. But we're willing to work with you and every other uh, group out there and person who 
understands how important this is to the future of not just our country, but the future of of this uh, planet. I just think that this is the way we're going to empower more people uh, to be in charge of their own lives and to create opportunities for themselves and those around them. So I think it's really important. And I I, I love the fact that uh, Hodel Pack uh, is uh, is going at this from a uh, almost a nonpartisan approach. And I I prefer that rather than bipartisan, because whenever you say bipartisan, already we pick sides. It's uh, this one really shouldn't have people picking sides. That would be a great place to end. Representative Emmer, I appreciate you so much. If you have any parting words to, to say, feel free to share it. But other than that, thank you so much for joining us today. Just have a positive view where we're headed. Uh, we're, these are rocky times, but out of uh, much uh, disturbance comes a lot of peace. And I think we're going to get some good things uh, down the road, especially in this area. Thank you for listening to Crypto in Congress presented by Hodelpack. If you'd like to learn more about Hodelpack and our mission, check us out at www.hodelpack.org or follow us on Twitter at Hodelpack. Also, be sure to subscribe to our newsletter to get exclusive updates and access to transcripts from each episode.